This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, party people? Welcome to Ditch the Egg, a podcast all about navigating dating, career, and honestly, life in general as a millennial. I'm your host, Katie Carson, 30-something avid dater and entrepreneur. Hi, everybody. I am so excited about today's episode. I have with me Kim Kendall De Silva, and she is... Kim, how would you describe yourself? I am a relationship mentor for women, and I enjoy helping ladies figure out just what the heck is going on in their relationship. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. So like, how did you get into this? First of all, I'm so curious. Well, you will not believe. I also am a language coach. Mm -hmm. I I do work in um, Spanish language acquisition and Latin American cultural awareness. And one of the things I noticed with so many of my clients were women who were in relationships with partners from Spanish-speaking cultures. And they were mm-hmm. learning the language to get close to their partners. I mean, underneath it all, I mean, we would we do a lot of digging. And what it was boiling down to over and over was this idea of solidifying their connection with their partner through their partner's families. Mm-hmm. That's why they were learning the language. And then there was this idea that there were culture barriers and language barriers that were that were preventing some of the some of those those connections but over and over it was like okay maybe yes in some cases but the bottom line was no matter how much Spanish you spoke those were still just regular relationship issues Mm -hmm. that were dressed up in other ways so having come across that over and over again and at the same time, I was doing my, um, I was doing training in terms of like, you know, how to improve myself as a mentor, how to improve the, the work I was doing. And it just became really obvious. And I, like, well, you should be doing this as well. Yeah. Um, you know, my husband and I have been together for 23 years, married for 14. You know, most of our friends don't know us as individuals. They've just, <laughs> ever since they've known us, we've been together. So we are that couple that come and ask questions too. And it's just like, oh. We've been doing this for a really long time. Right? <laughs> well, maybe maybe I should bring it on a little bit more, you know, formal basis. Yeah, and that's where it started. <laughs> I love that. That's so cool, and that is like a whole other level too of like dating cross culturally, right? Oh. Like, there's a lot, like. Even within your own culture, there can be a lot of nuances, right? Like just because you're dating somebody who was like born and raised in America to like, you know, the same ethnicity or whatever as you doesn't mean that you're going to have the same cultural experience. And correct that adds like such a whole other like level of, I don't want to say complication, but maybe complexity Complexity. to a relationship. Yes. So you and I were talking before we started about, because um, I am single, as everybody listening to this podcast knows, <laughs> actively dating. You know, there are a lot of patterns that I have identified in past relationships, right? And like, I have a lot of friends who have done the same. We've all 
kind of have been doing the work for a long time on Mm -hmm. ourselves. And I'd love to hear kind of your experience, um, you know, coaching some single women who are kind of in the same place where they're working on identifying those patterns and like how to break through them. Cause this, you know, we just started 2024, like people are new year, new me. So let's like figure out how to actually make change instead of just making a resolution that we're not going to do. Right. Exactly. And I like how you put that about doing the work on yourself. So in what I do, one of the things that we talk about sometimes is we talk about, oh, we're going for relationship help or I'm, or so a couple might say they want relationship help or even a, a, a single person or an anti single, the one part of the relationship will come mm-hmm. and say, you know, we want relationship help. But the interesting thing is that your relationship is not a person. So you don't bring your relationship to the meeting and sit it down and say, okay, coach that. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. You are the person who is being coached. If you are in a relationship, your partner is the person who's being coached or counseled. And then when the both of you or you alone have received this coaching, have, have started internalizing it and acting on it, then you directly impact your relationship. So it's very important to understand that for sure, that the work or the, if you don't want to, call, if, if the word work scares you, <laughs> the exploration mm-hmm. starts with you, the person. And what I would say, this works not just for ladies who are in relationships, it also works if you are single. And perhaps even if you're single, you're in, a, in an even better place to, to do this, this type of exploration. What are your patterns? So, okay, fine. New year, new you. But the first thing you have to do is identify who are you, mm-hmm. right? What What is going on with you? What has created the you that looks back in the mirror? Okay. So I've, I have four questions that I would say are a good starting point. And these are things that, again, you, you can do this. It's not too late if you're already in a relationship. <laughs> But if you're single, then fantastic. Let's really drill into these. Um, One of the best places to start is with your parents, okay? Whether that's a good experience or a bad experience. What did your parents teach you about relationships? What impact did their words and actions have on your relationship, on on your perception of relationships? Now, as you can well imagine, people come from all different sorts of families. And your interpretation of relationships based on your specific circumstances is going to be totally different from anybody else's, okay? For good or for bad or for in between. Mm -hmm. But why I think you need to start there is because there are certain formative ideas you have tucked away in your subconscious that you don't even realize are there. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's very important to pull it out. If you have, if you're the type of person who likes to journal, and I would think if you're doing any work on yourself, journaling is a fantastic idea. I will admit it's not my favorite thing to do, but I know the benefits of it. <laughs> so I do it, but I don't really want to. <laughs> I feel so relieved that I'm not the only one. Because 
I'm an ex I'm an external processor, so for me sometimes I'm just like, can I just can I just talk it out in a voice note? Like I don't my hand can't keep up with my brain. All right. No, exactly. And and because it's a journal and it's a pretty book and I have a nice pen, I want it to look nice. Mm-hmm. But, but my words and my handwriting don't match. It's all jumbled. <laughs> Yeah. We should still try. We should still try. And this is yes. a good one to do it with. And really be honest. I mean, it's like, it, it's brain dump. And if, if if the writing gets to be too much, yes, talk it out. Talk it out to yourself. Recording yourself, by the way. Mm-hmm. Because that's very important too. Um, explain what those, what those formative relationships looked like and how it felt to you witnessing it. Okay? Because that's where a lot you may not realize it, but that's where a lot of your formative ideas came from. So, and you are operating still within those parameters. Yeah, we people, we are still operating within those parameters. Okay, I'm talking, you know, generally male female relationships. But one of the caveats I always say is that it doesn't matter. Even if you are in a same sex relationship, there tends to be that masculine and feminine energy, so that that polarity that exists, which is very important in any relationship. So the the concept of male or female it still applies so let's look now at you know the impl- and i'm looking at uh, the the influence of a father on a daughter here okay so your father how did your father and other men in your life influence how you view men okay so that is such a funny question like it's it's a complex question it's right a oh, yes and like just speaking from my own experience my my biological father is super abusive, narcissist, sociopath, essentially. My parents split when I was 18. So, like, I – my siblings are much younger, but my parents split when I was a freshman in college, right. like, right after I started. A long time, yeah. But then my mom met my stepdad when I was 19. And I'm 36 now. So now for, like, almost half of my life, mm. I have had this ex- different example and, like, That for me and looking at that and like comparing the two has been crucial in my healing journey of just like seeing the night and day difference between how my stepdad treats me, treats my siblings, treats his kids, but also treats my mom and their relationship versus how it was when I was growing up at home. And that has been like a real eye opener for me, especially in these last couple of years. Wow. I, you have such a, a unique perspective because of that i mean mm-hmm. that is what i don't want what i do want i mean it's like it couldn't be clearer <laughs> i know well and it did you know um i was talking with one of my stepsisters and i was like you know it took me a long time before mm-hmm. i even like trusted that there were no strings attached to anything that bob right. did for me if he fixed my car if he did any of the things you know like because mm-hmm. growing up there was always some sort of cost, right? There was always a string attached. And so it took me probably five or six years to even get to the point where I was like, oh, this man genuinely just wants me to be safe and happy. Right. Then those strings is unconditional. Yeah. 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 I don't have to earn this. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Interestingly enough, one one of the ladies I worked with a while ago her experience was a little bit different. Hers was that she had a, 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 a caring, loving biological father, but he died when she was relatively young. Mm. 
And then eventually her mom started dating. And her mother was also very stable, loving. And, you know, I mean, as a single parent doing what she could. Right. Got into a relationship with a, another another good man. but And that lasted a few years. And so that process of, again, learning to trust another man and having this parental figure, this father figure around. But then the relationship didn't work out. Mm. So she even managed to maintain a bit of a relationship with that that stepfather figure for a while. But... By the time that that relationship was finished, she was now in her, I think she would have been by that point, like late teens, like heading mm-hmm. off to college. And in her mind, it was good men don't stay. Yeah. And I mean, obviously that 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 took a long, yeah. she didn't really realize that's what was, she was telling herself, but that is what it was. Her dad died and things didn't work out with her stepdad. You know, so in her mind, the good ones don't stay. So if you find a good one, hang on, hang on. Yeah gonna leave you're just waiting you're just waiting for the day exactly yeah but how does that how do you think you you show up in a relationship where you're constantly waiting for the person to leave they are going to leave because you have set that in motion Mm -hmm. you have already treated and again these are so much of what we talk about here is not conscious actions they're not Mm -mm. conscious thoughts they're so packed into our head that we can't we we're not recognizing it, you know, but then we start to do certain things to push people away. It's it, it's the it's in the way that that we become selfish and protective. But in that selfish and protectiveness, we really push the other person away and then they leave. And it's like, see, told you, mm. but don't stay. But until you recognize that pattern and you recognize what you can do to change it, it's going to keep happening over and over and over again. Yeah. So that's um, so true oh, yeah that self-fulfilling prophecy it's it is it's a real thing it, it it's it's real yes <laughs> familiar <laughs> we're working on it <laughs> okay so now that we looked at you know what what does your what did your father teach you what about your mom and, and uh, your mom and the other woman in your life what did they teach you about men how did they view men? how did how they speak about men how did they act around the men in their lives mm-hmm. they act one way with the men in their lives and then a totally different way with you because again we pick up our cues you know i would say like an interesting one okay another interesting one it's when you look at generations and families right so you can look at maybe how your grandmother interacted with 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 the grandfather or her husband or or partner or whatever you can look at how your mother interacted and sometimes we look at those traditional roles and like oh i don't like that i don't see why why is it um why does she always have to cook for him why does she always have to take out his food for him why does she have to do everything for him and i don't want that i want to be more independent and i want i want i want someone who will Look out for themselves for crying out loud. And it's just. <laughs> Listen, I, especially when you're dating in like your mid to late 30s and early 40s, it's like you are a grown ass person. Right? Like you should be able to do your own laundry. I'm sorry. That's, exactly. that's going to be a hard no for me, dog. You really should. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I had, you know, I had, I had one of that. My grandparents had that kind of relationship where my grandmother did everything for my grandfather in that sense, you know, the cooking and the cleaning and the, and the, you know, even like laying out his food on the table or whatever. And I think, you know, as a teenage girl watching that, I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, not doing it. And I can't, especially, I remember once my grandfather, I think my, 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 young, my brother was about, my brother's about seven years younger than me. Okay. And he was about, how old was he? Maybe he was about 10 or so, or a little bit less than that. But he was old enough to go in the kitchen and take out his own plate of food. And my grandfather was like, well, you know, he's a boy, so you should go take out his food for him. I was like, hello? <laughs> and my poor brother, because, you know, he was, my mom was not like that. Yeah. I was not like that. He's like, like, she's going to make me pay for that later on. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, perhaps one of the things I did not recognize as a, as a teenage girl looking at that mm-hmm. dynamic was that the things that my grandfather did for my grandmother. Mm, like in yeah. my brain, it was this was this one thing, and I was I was creating was, a story. It was one sided. It was very you know not balanced. In, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And this didn't bother her. You know, mm-hmm. this was a, a dynamic of their relationship. It's like she always said she never had to once wonder about you know if the grass was too high or if there was you know they had lots of dogs that she's like we had lots of dogs but there was never any dog mess anywhere mm-hmm. because every morning he went outside and he made sure the entire yard was clear and clean and the dogs were walked and fed and he did everything outside he made sure everything was locked up he did he did he he took care of her in his way and she took care of him in her way mm-hmm. now i can't i couldn't have appreciated that yeah as a 17, 18 year old watching, you know, but again, what are these opinions that we're forming? And then how are we make, how are we, what, what are we making it mean? And then what are we making it mean for us? Mm-hmm. So yes. And it's funny now having been married for, you know, 14, 15, will be 15 this year. And there are things that like I want to do for my husband and I'm like, whoa, 18-year-old me would not be impressed with this. <laughs> so, but it's like, I... <laughs> but I think you're right. Like, it's such a different perspective, especially now at, like, 36. I have been hyper-independent my because I've had to be yeah. from a young age. And now I'm just like, I just need somebody to, like, take care of my car, do the things that I can't reach, and, like, take out my trash. And honestly... I had a I had a date and the guy had come to pick me up and like my trash was sitting by the door and when he brought me back he took my trash out and I was like that's it he's the one he took out my trash and my sister is like Katie your bar is literally in hell I was like no you don't understand I am so tired <laughs> I am so tired of doing the things <laughs> but <laughs> I was totally kidding about the one but you know <laughs> like it was just one of those things that it was like it it feels like a small thing yeah. But it can actually be a really big thing, even if you are like, because I was the same way as you, like seeing my mom's dynamic with my biological dad. And I was like, yeah. I am never going to be this person. But then I see her, you know, doing my stepdad's lunches or whatever, because I, you know, I've lived with them over summers and things like that. Yeah. And it, I realized the difference was also the intention behind it. Yeah. Because with, my biological father, it was mostly out of like fear, right? 
And like, what would he do if she didn't do those things? Whereas with my stepdad, it is completely done out of, I love him and I just want to take care of him. And he takes care of me in like a lot of different ways. And like, it just genuinely comes from a place of like love and like giving, you know? Yeah, exactly. So what are you seeing? How is that impacting you? What are you expecting for yourself? What do you want for yourself? Which is actually another key thing. Remind me, hopefully we'll get back to that point about what do you want? Oh, I, oh don't worry. I'm going to get there. I'm, we're going to get there. <laughs> I promise. It's on my list of questions. <laughs> All right. Now, I know we we, so, uh, we talked about what your how the, your father or male influences in your life, whether negative or positive, how they impacted your view of, of relationships. But mm-hmm. also this last part is how did it impact you in terms of your assumptions on how men act, mm. so behave and think? Mm-hmm. Because that's another key element of relationships. We are always trying to figure out what's happening we are always trying to read the subtext mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. But what informs the subtext it's not just what's in front of us at that point what also informs the subtext is what we've seen in the past so yeah. a comment someone might make which would be totally innocent you could read a whole lot into that comment mm-hmm. i think maybe if i if i thought about um so I could even like t- maybe talk about, you know, as a much younger person, if a guy mentioned, you know, his mom packed his lunch or his or her, now you have to bear with me. I my husband and I have been together since I was nineteen years old. So my dating days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like the only thing has really changed is the quality and the apps and you know it's true so (laughs) i remember like you know anytime he talked about like his mom caring for him a bit too much i'd be like yeah that that was like a red flag for me but yet right now i realize it's not necessarily that that was a red flag it just was i mean guys who were 19 at that time if they were living home it's not it's not that hard to imagine their mom's taking care of them a little right (laughs) But, but that was just where my mind was then Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to see that the guys that I would be interested in were a lot more self-sufficient and, you know, really doing a lot for themselves. And, mm-hmm. and perhaps that's one of the reasons why I was attracted to my husband back in those days, too, because even as a younger person, he was very driven to get things done for himself. Mm-hmm. So that to me was very attractive based on my experiences and what I wanted and, and all of that. So. Again kind of really unpacking what did all of these experiences bring to you mm-hmm. because you are carrying that forward and some and I, of those things need to be left in the back I think that's so important too because you know one of my one of my therapists um you know she was always kind of like just take yourself out of it and look at it objectively as to like what they said and if they're just stating a fact that their mom did x for them that does not necessarily mean that there is an expectation, right? Like he didn't say, I expect you to do this, but yeah. like sometimes in our head, based on our experience, that's immediately where we go. And so we're like immediately ick, immediately red flag. Yeah. Um, and that can be a form of self-sabotage if you're not doing the work to uncover that. And I know for me, 
it's been a real struggle to assume positive intent. Right. Right. Like that's always been my thing is like in the subtext, it was always like, what are you trying to get at? Like what's going on here? And now it's more of, I am going to take you at your word until you give me a reason not to. Or until my intuition says something's off. But, you know. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. But yeah. There's so much power in that. Take you at your word. Now, again, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard, you know, actions speak louder than words. True. I talk about actions speak louder than words. Agreed. I talk about it all the time. People are like, communication is the key to, the re- to, to relationships. I'm like, no, communication is a benefit or, or, or a symptom. Actions, behaviors, that's the key. Mm-hmm. When you have good behaviors, both of you, you have great relationships mm-hmm. and communication is great because you have good mm-hmm. behavior. It has to match. Yeah, it has, like to, it has match. to match. Exactly. But if this, is, if this is a brand new relationship or this is a date, uh, you know, or yes, be present, be in that moment. Don't judge based on the past. Don't judge based on what you're thinking it could mean. Now, if you if if they, if they're talking about, you know, Yes, hygiene is a good thing, and their breath smells all the time. Well, maybe you know you can you can you can understand. That. That's an ick for sure. <laughs> you know, those, those, those words and these actions aren't matching. But, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, especially in those in those initial dating stages, treat it treat it for what it is right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Don't bring your 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 other expectations onto it, mm-hmm. or your other assumptions from yeah. the past into it. And I think it's one one of the last things I kind of want to talk about in terms of you know patterns and and moving forward. It's also getting down to so okay, you recognize what has shaped your perceptions today, your behaviors today, mm-hmm. but what do you want? And when I talk about what do you want, what do you really, really want? And this is part of what we're going to talk about too, but your values. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, I don't necessarily mean values in terms of like, you know, religious beliefs or, 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 or I'm not, it doesn't have to be that. It can be, it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. But what are your non-negotiables in your life? Okay. So look at your daily life. Look at look at the things that you do on a regular basis. Look at look at your computer history, your browsing history. Look at your your credit card statements, your bank statements. Where is all of your time and where is all of your money going? Mm. All right, those that's what you're valuing most right now. Mm-hmm. Some of us, when we do that exercise, we're like, okay, this needs to change. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine, but what is it? What is it about you that you don't think that you want to change for anyone. Okay, what what is important to mm. you? Because those non-negotiables need to be a baseline. Mm-hmm. Even in terms of who you will date. You know, I mean, I have had clients who were more on the religious side and then dated people who were atheists. I'm like, well... How's that going to work for you later on? <laughs> it's all fun and games now. Yeah. <laughs> What's going to happen when you have kids and you're debating, you know, what it again? Yeah. Or it can work once you have. So this is where the communication bits actually mm-hmm. are, right? 
once you decide how those very different value systems or belief systems are going to coexist. Yeah. You can't ignore it. Mm-mm. Big mistake to ignore that. Um, so if somebody is checking a lot of your boxes, but those key values, your key values, no one can make your values for you. Your key values are not being hit. You want to really reassess if this has future, a future, mm-hmm. you know, a real future, and not the kind of future where it's like it's going to be fun for a while and then you, you know, crap. that has just sparked so many things for me. <laughs> well, like one of the things too, especially being you know a millennial, like mm-hmm. when we were like teenagers or in our twenties, it was still very much like traditional values, right? Like you got married, you popped out a few kids, and like. If you didn't do that by like, at least where I was from, if you didn't do it by 25, people are like, what, what's going on? Which I know, like, you're still a baby at 25. But I have found, and a lot of my single friends have like had comments like this, and I'm sure coming out of the holiday season, everybody's had it, of like, well, you're just too picky. Uh, And so then there's like that feeling of like, maybe I am too picky. Maybe I have too many, like, and you know, how... Mm-hmm. How would you recommend people navigate that? Because that is that's a mindfuck. Like to be completely honest, like it's like a bomb that people just drop and they don't even know the explosion that they just caused. <laughs> Pretty much. And okay, I'll say something that you know the listeners may not want to hear, but there is the potential that you are being too picky, but. There are some things you have to stick to. Mm-hmm. Like there is no negotiating this issue. And this is why if you want to be picky, be picky about the important stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong. You have to protect those important things, mm-hmm. those key values. Those, or, you know, this might sound like there are people who come from a past where there were addiction issues and they do not want to be with a partner who has addiction in their past. Their partner yeah. in recovery, recovered, recovering, but they're like, no, I'm not dealing with that. That's okay. Yeah. We're not being too picky because you refuse to go down a path that you saw your parents go through or right. loved ones go through. That's all right. Now, if you're saying, well, he needs to be at least six foot tall and you're <laughs> ignoring all of the 5'10 guys, well, maybe. Okay, you know. <laughs> I like to think of it as like non-negotiables, right? And like those are like my core Honestly, I have like three. They're really not aggressive at all. And then I have like a longer list of like nice to haves, right? Like there are things that I would like that would be a check in like the green flag column, if you will. But if they don't have those things, it's also not a deal breaker for me. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I like. So here's another exercise you can try as well, right? And it's one that I like to do. I'm like, write down all the things you want. So it's the, it's like, you know, you've won the lottery and you, you're designing your dream home. So you put all the things you want. You can even tell me he needs to have green eyes with flecks of hazel. <laughs> you put every last possible thing that you would want onto that list. And then you start taking away. Okay. If his eyes are blue, okay, fine. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, the last thing on that list now, or the last list that we make after we've done all of the nice to haves, 
I'll accept this. Then we get down to the, these are the absolute non-negotiables. And you know how you you made that joke about, you know, your bar being really low because the guy took the cash out? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is where we get his bar, right? No, it is not cash. We can put it a little bit higher. Okay, yeah. What's wrong with that? Because the bottom line is you want to have a relationship that is going to last. Mm-hmm. That's that that's going to be durable. That's going to be stable. Um. So there has to be a point at which I will accept no less than this. Yeah. Because if you settle for less than that, especially like. How, like how women's psyches are built and we never want to think we've settled yeah so this is why it's really important to establish that bar against which you will not go under mm-hmm. once you're over that bar you know you have fallen in with, I don't I don't even like the word falling in love because I think it's at some point we have to take some real ownership over yeah. over this decision to be in love and to stay right. in love right so you get to that point where it's like, I have found the person who we are going to make a life together. Mm-hmm. I am not settling for this person. I love this person. I have my checkboxes. I literally have my checkboxes. <laughs> they did it. They did it for me. Mm-hmm. We are going to, we are going to, you know, start a life together. Now, there's also a little bit, a little, um, one of one of my um one of my one of my colleagues, she works a lot with with um, older women in dating. So she says more mature more mature women who might be like in their you know their 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 fifties and mm-hmm. above. And she always says one of the things that comes up a lot there, she has to remind sometimes her clients that the pool of high quality men isn't that big. And all the single women are fishing in it. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? We want to attract those high quality men. Mm-hmm. We have to be high quality as well. Yeah. I had a conversation with um, and Sarah Williams, who's an entrepreneur, and she's recently back in the dating world, like in her mm-hmm. 40s. And, um, you know, she talked, we talked a little bit about that, especially when it comes to like online dating profiles. She's like, you attract what you put out there. And so you really have to look at what is it that I'm putting out there and like, who would that be attracting? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, so it is kind of like the same thing of like the high quality, but I also loved what you said about like, we don't want to settle. And I think that's why, um, we see a lot of women in their thirties and forties single because we don't want to settle for Mm -hmm. something that is just okay. Um, like you've got to be more fun than me hanging out at home with my dog. Like, to be honest, if you're not, if I would rather be home with Archie, it's probably going to be not a thing. (laughs) And this is, oh my gosh, that is so important. And this is where it gets even more complicated. How Mm -hmm. do you figure out if this guy is really, how can I put it? Sometimes it's not glaringly obvious that he is the full package for you. Mm-hmm. How do you figure that out? Well, it's not an easy thing. I will make one suggestion though, because there is this book that I quite like. It's called I can we can leave it in show notes or anything. Yeah, it's I'll put it in the show notes. The Practical Guide to Men. <laughs> right? <I know. laughs> 
Half of me kind of expected a men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I won't lie to you. (laughs) Okay. So somebody literally wrote the book. Somebody literally said, here it is. There it is. (laughs) How to spot the hidden traits of good men and great relationships. Adding that to my Amazon cart. I can say it. I have to. I really have to get an affiliate link for this book because I you really do. <laughs> if you if you get one, let me know. We'll update the show notes. <laughs> but one of the things I like about this book as well is that he also talks about you know some of the some of like the red flag things you should avoid, and you know he talks about identifying things like identifying the narcissists and and you know again this is more for ladies who are already in a relationship so like you know the reality is we live in a world where addiction in many different forms exists mm-hmm. and so the addict recovering from addiction is not necessarily a red flag unless of course for you it is based on your past experience right right Always a difference but like if you are if you are in a relationship with someone who is going through it but they are willing to do the work, they are willing to to get the help, then you can be their support system. This is not saying turn your back on, on, on them. Right. However, if you are with somebody or you are dating someone and you sort of pick up on, the, on these things that they do have an addiction problem and they are not willing to accept it and work on it, that's something to walk away from. Mm-hmm. You're going to love this part, right? There's even a 12-point man inspection. This <laughs> 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 it's all, I mean, it's literally all, ordering this after a call <laughs> I just it's the language is so like blunt and in your face and it's like mm-hmm. okay no there's like there's no there's no misjudging this and also talking about like self-deceptions that can mm-hmm. lead to you making those costly mistakes so what are the again coming back to what are the narratives that we tell that we have that we are yeah. telling ourselves, that we are projecting onto other people? Are we trying to make somebody into something that they're not to fit what we want? You know, so it's, it's all of those things, looking at them and really um, identifying. Yeah. Um, and I think especially when you're dating this, and I'm going to come back to the values thing again, you like hanging out at home on a Friday night. Nothing's wrong with that. I mean, they might tell you what you're trying to date, so you should go out on a Friday night. I don't know. Nobody's going to, you're not, somebody's just not going to show up in your apartment. Um. I mean, okay, yes, this is true. <laughs> but, but ultimately, we want to be back in a space where we have the partner who's happy to hang out at home on a Friday <laughs> night, right? <laughs> I mean, my husband always jokes that like, when we met, you used to got a lot more. I'm like, honey, when we met, I was 19 and I was in a nightclub every night. <laughs> I'm over 40 now. <laughs> I want to be home on a Friday night. <laughs> it's like that Miley Cyrus song. I used to be young, okay? <laughs> like, I went out to find a man and just my, I, it just worked out that you stuck off the round after all these years. <laughs> See, I've been eating on the inside my whole life, so... <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not like Friday nights we get excited about Friday because we can go to bed early there's like no lunch kits to see about no kids studying for anything that we have to be up helping it's like door gets closed by nine o'clock and like just get in your bed at a reasonable hour I don't care 
<laughs> Friday night is for me to be in my bedroom. I love that. I support that so much. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's something that that that's really, I mean, and for all for all of all of the jokes that he makes, my husband loves being home as much mm-hmm. as whenever we can just be home and chill. You know, we will do that. You know, it wouldn't work if you know one of us was the kind that really enjoyed and needed that outside time and that outside mm-hmm. stimulation and nothing is wrong with a person is that is that whole introvert extrovert thing there's nothing wrong with either side right mm-hmm. if you're the kind of person who needs to be out and uh, and mingling in crowds and you feel energized by that then don't dim that to be with somebody who needs to be at home mm-hmm. and vice versa don't push yourself to go out because of that just be just be just be upfront about it right Yes, yeah. we're meeting in a bar, but honestly, <laughs> this is not normal. Right. <laughs> it's not what I want moving forward. <laughs> well, and I think that ties back into recognizing the patterns, right? Because I think, you know, I know a lot of women and I have seen myself do it. We tend to mold ourselves to fit our partner yep. instead of showing up as like our full authentic self. And I think that's where that core values thing comes in. So important because I do have couple friends who are couples that are like, opposites of the spectrum but they both know that about each other and they give each other space so like if one of them likes going out they do that with their friends and like there's that trust there there's the understanding there you know and then the other one maybe it's more of like going to play basketball or something and so they make time for him to do that and like it's being able to be your full self with somebody else it's not about finding someone to like blend yourself into, right? Like you have to know who you are. That's it. That's a very, I know, I'm going to forget this point too. As you mentioned that point about, you know, having your separate interests, especially when you are dating in your late 20s, mid 30s, late 30s, you have so many interests, but you should. (laughs) You are a person. Um, you should have a life. I mean, exactly, <laughs> right? You should be a whole person. I mean, we talked about you know, mm-hmm. well, is it that I have to do all of my healing on my own? No, but what you want to know is that you are in control of your healing, right? You know mm-hmm. that you are willing to do it, and you're when you're willing to 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 do the work that that's required, and you want a partner who is also a complete person mm-hmm. who does not need you to complete them so this yeah you know, i mean that's a lovely romantic phrase you know you complete me i love it. it 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 suits the movie but in real life when we're dealing with grown grown people we don't need to complete each other we need to be healthy individuals mm-hmm. on our own and then we come together so if he needs to go hang out with his friends you need to go hang out with your friends if you need to go you know enjoy if you're if you're a surfer if you're a painter if you're whatever listen your life together doesn't mean you have to drop everything else Mm -hmm. you don't drop the things that you love doing don't stop going to the gym don't stop doing yoga no if those things are important to you right now it has to fit in don't expect him to drop it either Mm -hmm. now yes be mindful you know how much time does he spend with his friends because you want to get to a point where he goes to hang out with his friends and because they are important to him. Right. But it's not that he will always prefer hanging out with his friends to hanging out with you. And I think this is where people sometimes get a little bit a little bit misguided. They're like, well, he should want to be with me all the time. No. 
No. That's my nightmare. That's my literal nightmare. <laughs> As somebody who's been single 98% of my life, of my 36 years on this earth, yes. that is my literal nightmare. <laughs> he lived his own life. And so you have yours and you can really love your time together. He does not need to answer your call every single time. Now, if you're calling him like five times a day and he only answers once, well, maybe there's a little problem. Or if he takes two days to return your call, that's different. But dude's got to work. Well, but also especially early on, right? Like I was listening to another podcast actually called Do the Work. Um, And she was talking about how like if you start at 100 and you are constantly communicating from the beginning, where do you go from there? And I was like, shit, that's good. Cause that's what we do, right? Like we get that dopamine hit. We feel the butterflies. We're excited. And then we're messaging constantly. And then we meet up and we're like, oh, it's not there. But like, it is so important to remember that you are your own person and they are their own person. You both have lives. Expecting an immediate response is not reasonable. My friends know better than to expect an immediate response for me. They know. The number of times I read a message and respond in my head and like, then it's like two weeks later and I'm like, sorry, thought I said this. You know what I mean? Or like, you type it and don't actually hit send. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The the ADHD is real over here. Um, But, you know, like if my, my point of view now, especially after like kind of having that like light bulb go off is like, if I wouldn't expect it of my friends, I'm not going to expect it of a partner in the very, especially in the very early stages, if we're just dating, Mm -hmm. like I, you know, I don't expect constant communication, but then you touched on something else I want to ask about too, because we talked about this a little bit before was, you know, you've, you do the work on yourself. You do the healing. Mm -hmm. If you don't like the phrase, do the work, but like you, you identify your patterns, you do all of that. And then what I've found in my recent, cause I, I had 10 years where like, I didn't really date. I was like focused on my career. I was focused on myself. I was in therapy. Like we were, we were doing the things and I'm like, I'm in a great place. My life is awesome. I would like somebody to share it with, not to complete it. You know what I mean? Like I, and so I was like, I'm going to get back out in the dating world. And what I realized was, while I had done a lot of the work on my own Dating brought out a whole other set of things (laughs) that like, you know, like you think you've addressed, but you really can't address until you're in a a situation that brings it up. Right. Right. Yep. So that's (laughs) the things that you talked about. Everyone is, everyone is peaceful and Zen until other people get involved. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Life is hunky dory until other people show up. Exactly. Now, it's a whole different person. It's all, I mean, they're covered with all of their issues too, whether they're healed or unhealed or healing. And, you know, there are things that they might be doing that could trigger you. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. And this is, again, now an opportunity for you to recognize, okay, what is it about this situation that's triggering for me? Like, why? Mm -hmm. What is this mirroring to me? What else? So you can look at it one way. What else do I need to address in my own life, my own perceptions? But also, this is where now you have that chance to look at conflict and tensions mm-hmm. and figure out how you massage them, how you work through them. Um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions we have is that 
conflict and tension is bad. It's not. It's just a part of life. It's a part of life. Yeah. Exactly. It really is a part of life. And the fun is in learning how to address it, like running away from it to maintain the Zen. Yeah, not going to work. Because you're not really, your healing isn't being tested until you're in that situation. Mm -hmm. Until you're faced with somebody else who's mirroring something back to you. Mm -hmm. I may mean that you have a little bit more work to do. And all this has done now is shown you that. Yeah. I mean, they're a bad person. It doesn't mean you have regressed. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I start my morning and I'm like, this is going to be so wonderful. And I have my journal, no, the journal, and I'm doing the journaling and I've got the music in the background. And then my husband will call, this child is sick, I'm bringing him home. Like, why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's such a good point too. Number one, like stuff happens, right? Stuff outside your control happens. But I think that's also where, especially early in the relationship communication is really important and i i like i've i just had this thought like it's it's like putting into practice the things you have been working on yeah like how do i apply this now in a real life situation yeah. as opposed to just chatting with my therapist or writing in my journal or you know doing self reflection like there yeah. there is some practical application that you have to do and like it is vulnerable and it is scary, but if you are looking for a meaningful connection, it's mm-hmm. it's what needs to be done unless it's like a non-negotiable situation. Exactly, exactly. And just, I think one last thing to kind of talk mm-hmm. about around that as well, you know, especially when we're dating in our 30s, you know, very often there are children involved. Yeah, Whether that's it's a whole other level. Yeah, or your, or, or your potential partner, you know, there are children and how does that how does that play into your into your daily life how does that play into what you're doing um just two things to point out on that one don't start patterns you don't intend to to continue so if it is that you think you're going to do stuff for your potential partner's children to make their life easier for them like you know you're going to volunteer to pick up to pick children up or to do tutoring for them or to are you doing this because you genuinely want to? Or are you doing this because you want to ingratiate yourself with this person? Because I'll tell you something, it better be because you love spending time with this child. Mm-hmm. Because if you get married and this becomes part of your daily routine and you only did it to get to the point of getting the ring on your finger, well then, yeah. you're going to be a heck of resentful. Mm-hmm. of that situation later on so mind your intentions in those because yeah it feels good when you're like oh thank you so much i appreciate you so much for doing this don't fool yourself about that and also yeah. don't don't i mean the other extreme of course is, is the partner who will use you for that yeah um, so be mindful of that and then the last thing is one of the things that i talk about a lot with couples is the sense that you know if you have children you do actually need to put your relationship, your you you do put each other, and I get a lot of hate on this one, you put each other first. Yeah. I say that with love, and I say that because that's actually the healthiest thing for your children to see. Mm-hmm. A couple who loves each other, cherishes each other, prioritizes each other's needs, and loves them within that within mm-hmm. that 
things get a little bit murkier when there are stepkids involved, when it's blended families and there are, you know, children have their own adjustments to make and it gets to be more difficult. Mm-hmm. Don't fall into the trap of, well, because it's stepkids, we have to be a little less, um, you know, about us or we have to put their needs the healthiest thing, especially if those children have seen families that didn't stay together. Mm-hmm. The healthiest thing you can do is show them what a healthy relationship looks like. So yes, put each other's needs first. I'm not saying don't feed your kids because right. you're <laughs> You know, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> no, but you have to be, it's just like with with anything, and it's one of the things I've really been focused on this year is like being really intentional with the life that I'm building and like how I'm spending my time. And I think that that's really, really important because having seen both sides of the spectrum, even as an adult, it does make a huge difference. And yeah. I've I've seen you know relationships you know growing up where they prioritize the kids over their marriage, and then the kids leave the house and they're like do we even like each other? Like, I don't even know. And, and you don't, and it's like, if you don't intentionally build the time for it, if you don't schedule it in, you know, with the flexibility of like somebody might get sick or whatnot, like you won't do it. You have to be intentional about it or it won't work. Yeah, exactly. You do. You absolutely do. It's important. But if you're, if you're the type who needs your planner, it has to go down in your plan. It just does. I have bedtime scheduled in my planner sometimes, especially when things are really busy with work. I have to put it that I have to stop work at this time mm-hmm. because that was actually a huge shift in, in, in my relationship with my husband. When I started my business, I, I just got totally bamboozled by all of the work and yep. a lot that created a lot of friction. And one of the things that started turning things back around was when I implemented that bedtime. And, you know, I was like, we could, we could start back going to bed at the same time. Yeah. We could, we could talk about the entrepreneurship thing all day because like even me on my own, I've, I have on my Google calendar so that it pops up everywhere. My watch, my phone, my computer, wherever, Mm -hmm. like get ready for bed (laughs) and then read in bed and like essentially just fall asleep doing that. But like, I literally have that at least Monday through Friday. Like I or Monday through Thursday, I have that scheduled into my calendar. Doesn't mean I always follow it if I'm out with dinner or like whatever, but I have that scheduled in so that if I am, I find myself lost or consumed in what I'm doing, I'm still taking care of myself. This is, I'm, I feel like we could talk for like four hours. (laughs) So Kim, obviously I'm going to have to have you back. (laughs) I feel like we've just scratched the surface. Um, And I feel like I feel like everything you said just spurred more and more questions for me. Is there like a final piece of like wisdom or, you know, a final question you want to like leave our listeners with? I think one of the. Okay, yes, there is one one last bit of homework. Definitions. So I know we talked about what it is that you want and, you know, whether it is that you're single or in a relationship or just starting one. You know, you're going to hear words like quality time and connection and romance. And okay, those are all wonderful words. What do they mean to you? Mm. Because you can't know you have things 
or you don't have them if you don't have a definition and your potential partner can't know if your needs are being met if you can change those needs well if you change those definitions any old time well and also like especially with words like that like just as a prime example people have different understandings of those words and so it's important to define them and share those definitions so that you know what they mean to each other and you know if they're compatible great you know but it's it's really important to make sure you're on the same page with like what what does this mean to you what is you know yeah i think that's super important again we could do a whole episode uh, <laughs> we could we could do a whole episode just on like the different like looking fors on the dating apps and like what they mean to different people like that's that's probably something we'll do but Kim, where can people find you and connect with you? Facebook and Instagram are the two easiest places. It's um, Kim Kendall De Silva mm-hmm. and Kim Ken De Silva on Instagram. And I talk lots about practical strategies that you can implement on a daily basis because you know what? That's what it boils down to. What can I do right now? If you're feeling mm-hmm. a change, then you want to start doing something immediately, not have this idea that okay i'll get to there no what can you do from tomorrow from tonight yeah what's one little thing right like just one little thing i love that and we'll make sure to have all of your links in the show notes and thank you so much it has been an absolute pleasure and i am probably gonna go journal my little heart out after this if we're honest (laughs) (laughs) we might have to talk to text it might be a thing i don't know Oh, well, thanks again, Cam. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Ditch the Ick. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Ditch the Ick Pod. You can shoot us DMs, listener stories. In our highlights, you'll see some listener story prompts. You can share them with us anonymously or with your name. It's up to you. But we always love to connect and get to know you on social. And if you haven't already, head to patreon.com slash ditch the ick. You'll see a couple of different levels where you can subscribe and get access to exclusive content, get early access to the videos. In some cases, you get first dibs on listener stories. So make sure you head over there and subscribe. It really helps keep this going. If you're looking to join the community, meet some other single people, maybe you need some new friends, share your thoughts, comments, responses to the episode. You can head over to Facebook. We've got a free private group called Ditch the Ick. And it's going to be a really safe space for us to share our stories, connect, and make friends.